Well, hey, good evening, everybody. How are we doing tonight? All right. And we want to extend a special welcome to those of you who are joining us online as well. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being in the house. For those of you who are here in the room, my name is Lyle. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Elements City Church. And uh, it's just, it's a privilege to get to worship with you tonight. So a couple announcements as we get going tonight. If you're new, if this is your first time here with us, welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you decided to join us tonight. And if it's your first time tuning in online, hello to you as well. Uh, if it is your first time, if you're here in the room, we've got the 10-minute party that's going to go on at the end of the service. All that means is uh, Jack, the other pastor here, he's going to be at the back table there for 10 minutes. Uh, and he just hangs out there for those 10 minutes to meet new folks because we want to hear your story. We want to know how we can uh, help get you connected here. So uh, another way you can do that, you can download the Elements City Church app. And that's for the folks who are at, uh, at home uh, streaming the service online through the Element City Church app. There's a button that says connection card. Uh, if you tap that connection card, you can fill out some information there. That'll let us uh, get in touch with you as well. Um, so for those of you in the room, that's your little cheat thing. If you want to do that uh, as well, you can. But man, I think you should go to the 10-minute party. Why? Because we have the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. That's how famous it is. People in the room know to say it with me now. That's how good. I'm telling you, it's, it's fantastic. So uh, we've got that free gift for you uh, if you want to pick that up. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we have too much to, to announce tonight. That's kind of nice, isn't it? Because you're like, yeah, don't talk too much loud. You're not that funny. Certainly that's what Josh Teed always thinks. So let's all stand up together. We're going to pray for the Church of the Week. The Church of the Week this week is Faith Christian Fellowship, and we're going to pray for their pastors, John and Valerie Smith. We want to ask God to bless them, but we also want to pray uh, for tonight as well, so would you join me with that? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the work that you want to do here tonight. God, uh, we just take a moment to just stop and recognize you're here with us. God, that you're already present, you're already active, you're already moving, and you already have plans uh, for things that you want to do tonight in all of our hearts. And it's up to us to just get ourselves to the place where we're able to hear your voice and we're ready to receive from you what it is you have for us. And God, that's my prayer. That's where I know that all of us, we ultimately, that's where we want to be, what we want to, to see happen tonight. That's why we're here in the room is because uh, we want to experience something powerful, God, as you work in our lives to restore what needs to be restored, to rejuvenate what needs to be rejuvenate, to heal what needs to be healed. God, so many of us, we come with so many different needs and you know each and every one. And so we just look to you as the author, the perfecter of our faith, Jesus, to strengthen our faith as we see you at work in our lives. We pray for Faith Christian Fellowship and their pastors, uh, John and Valerie, God. We ask your blessing over them. We ask your blessing over their church, God. There's over a million people in this city who need you, Jesus. And so we as a church, gosh, we, we couldn't handle that many people. And so we wanna continue to pray for the churches in this city because we need to stand united together to bring Jesus to people, to bring this hope into people's lives and to invite them to be a part of something so much greater. And so we pray for them. God, would you give them vision? Would you give them provision? All the things that they need as a church to be successful and to be fruitful uh, in the neighborhood where they're at, where you've planted them. We pray for wisdom, for discernment, for Pastor John and his wife, Valerie. God, we ask that uh, you would help them to lead their congregation well. But Jesus, again, we pray for tonight and the work that you want to do here. We just open our hearts to receive your word now. We invite you to move. 
And we just want to get out of the way, God, and let you do what it is that you want to do. We love you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.
reform, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. No, my God will
I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. I see now, laying it down, and I know that I need you. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again. Again and again and again. Oh, oh, oh. You saw my condition. You had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption. From my heart, and I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand, I can't comprehend. All I know is I need you. I want to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with.
it's so easy for us to just stand here and worship. And we, we know that worship is the people of God and the presence of God pouring out the praises of God. But how often do we stop and just practice what a song sings about? And so I just wanna give us a moment to run to the Father. We're gonna do something a little bit different tonight. Uh, and it's just, it's been a weird couple of weeks. I know of multiple people who are waiting on cancer results. Um, we've got people on our team who uh, they had to take their daughter in for an EKG because uh, they're trying to figure out if there's a regular heartbeats going on, what, 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 what needs to happen there. I woke up this morning finding out my mom had fallen overnight and uh, broke two vertebrae in her neck. And they're non-paralytic injuries, but that's just, it's kind of traumatizing, right? And on top of that, there's the depression, there's the anxiety, there's just the fear that grips so many of us. And I want us to stop tonight and to hear the invitation from Jesus, that we can run to him in prayer with all of those things. And so I wanna invite you to pray with the people who are kind of around you. I know it's a little bit different. The introverts in the room, you're freaking out. I get it, I'm one too. And so here's, what's, here's the deal, okay? If, if you don't feel comfortable praying with somebody, I want you to get real holy right now, okay? So you just close your eyes right now and you just start praying, all right? You just start praying. Uh, but in a moment here, what I wanna invite you to do is just kind of look around and I want you to find someone nearby. And I just want you to pray for them. And you don't have to take a bunch of time. This isn't a time where you have to pray all the great prayers. Just real quickly, just pray for them. You don't need to know what's going on in their life, okay? Like they don't need to know what's going on in your life either. Uh, if you wanna share that afterwards, I'd love to, to hear the stories that might come from that. But just in this moment, I just want us to pray for each other. We need it. We need it. The church needs to be the city on a hill to be the bright shining light that she was always meant to be. But there's times where we just need to pray for each other because we're under attack. And I think it's a season where we might start to, to kind of feel some attacks. So go ahead and do that. Go and find somebody nearby. Just pray together. And then after a, a minute or two, I'm just gonna say the word Father. And when I say the word Father, I'll count to 10. That'll just kind of give us the clue uh, to come back together so that we can finish this out. And if you're at home, just drop a comment in the chat. There's a host there who'd love to pray with you. Maybe call someone up on the phone, a friend that you could pray with too. We don't want you to miss out. So let's just pray for each other in this moment. Let's run to the Father as we pray.
Father. We thank you that you are alive and active in this world. We thank you that you love your church more than any of us in this room ever could. As much as Jack and I love elements, as much as the people in this room love this church, God, you love her so much more. And so we're asking that you would protect your bride, that you would defend your bride. I know there's people in this room who've recently experienced loss, people, like I said, who are waiting on on the news with cancer screenings. There's people with uh, just worries about their family members who have injuries or who uh, have health issues or um, maybe they don't know you and they're just, they're making destructive decisions uh, despite the positive influences that are around them. God, there's so many needs that are in this room and yet how beautiful is it to you, Jesus? Not just to hear our worship songs as they're poured out to you, but how much more beautiful is it when you get to hear your people praying to you? showing their faith in you, believing, God, that you are are one who hears us, one who responds to us out of love. And so, God, would tonight be a night that builds our faith as we see you at work through the things that we've prayed, as we see you come to answer them, Lord. We pray your anointing over this night. We pray your anointing over Jack. Would you allow uh, the words that fall out of his mouth tonight not to be just his own, but to be directly from you. Words that we need to hear in our hearts as well. So till the soil in our hearts to receive your message, God, the way that you intended us to do so. We love you. We're grateful for the chance to do this, the chance to gather, to lift up your name, to praise you, Jesus. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen, amen. Friends, it's a, uh, bye kids, have fun. Okay, um, it is a uh, joy to get to practice. You got to practice a Bible verse tonight. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, pray for one another. You actually got to do that. Uh, and if you are at home and you participated with that, um, you know, just as a church, we want to continue to not just talk about things, but actually begin to live out things. And so if you are a guest with us tonight, this is your first time tuning in or first time being here in the room uh, in a while, uh, welcome back or welcome. Uh, thrilled to have you here. We know it takes courage coming to a new place. And and uh, if we haven't met, I'm Jack, uh, one of the pastors here, and we started a new series last Last week called Flip the Script, and it's really kind of looking at our mental life, our thought life. Um, we just know we live in a season, coming out of a season, if we're still in the season, managing the season of heightened anxiety, a lot of worry, uh, fear, a lot of these things that can actually begin to create a kind of chaotic part of just who we are and how we see the world and how we interact with the world. And, and so we wanted to take this month and, and just talk about what does the scripture have have to say about helping us have a healthy thought life, having us uh, be able to walk things out that if we could change our thinking, we can actually begin to change our lives. And some of the principles we're going to look at through this series can begin to help rewire your brain in a godly way. We're going to look at that a little bit tonight. 
that you can actually begin to take some maybe old soundtracks, some broken soundtracks, some broken narratives that have either been spoken over you at one point in your life or that you begin to even adopt or the world has these mantras that say to live this way and yet that hardly ever brings fulfillment and satisfaction. Maybe you bought into some of that and you can actually begin to, to keep those things from taking root in your heart and, and actually anchor yourself to this truth of scripture. And so maybe uh, you are not a follower of Jesus and you're here. Gosh, I am so stinking proud of you for being here. Like, so proud of you for actually owning your spiritual journey and searching things out. And we want to be a place where you don't have to believe in order to belong. And that maybe you can actually be on your spiritual journey. And, and for many folks in this room, many that are watching online, they've come to a place where, like, the things of Jesus have made the most sense and actually begin to change and transform our lives. And you may not be there yet, and that's okay. Uh, but my hope is, is that we lean into the truths of Scripture, that maybe somewhere along the, the way there be some dots that begin to connect, and that your heart journey that has been on this heart journey to, to seek out what you've been created for would begin to, to connect and begin to see that, that maybe this Jesus really is the real deal and what he has to say about life. What the scriptures have to say about our thought life actually can maybe help us experience the best kind of life. This is adapted from a book called uh, Winning the War in Your Mind uh, by Pastor Craig uh, Groeschel in Oklahoma. There's a, a copy out at the, uh, the four-year desk there in the lobby that you can, it's a display copy. You can look at that. I ordered five more. We sold out even before service started last week. So I ordered a few more. If you want them, they're 15 bucks. They'll be here next Sunday. I highly recommend this book. Uh, and we're taking some of the principles from here uh, in that they're all come from scripture. But I think if you are a person who has maybe come to a realization that you've got to do some mental work, some thought work, some anxiety work, then I think you might find this book in particular very helpful to you. So I want to recommend it to you. Uh, one of the key truths that, that uh, Chris Shell talks about in there is this, we mentioned this last week, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Meaning the strongest thoughts we have are actually probably moving the trajectory of our life when we're moving that way. So if we're battling a bunch of negative thoughts, if we're battling a bunch of thoughts that are broken soundtracks that aren't true, but we believe them as true, then that's actually beginning to take us in a direction. And the question we asked last week is, do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? And only you can answer that. Only I can answer that for myself. And so what we said last week is we looked at this idea of a replacement principle that we've got to begin to define and have God kind of do a search and soul work within our own hearts. Hey, what are some of the lies from the enemy? What are some of the mantras of uh, maybe the world that I have bought into that I begin to adopt? And it's actually cluttering up my life. You might think of it like uh, ping pong balls. So we're going to pretend this vase here is your life, my life, right? And so you may have some broken soundtracks from your childhood that maybe, I don't know what it would be because we're all coming from different spheres and different influences. Maybe you've got a couple soundtracks in your life that you have kind of held on to, that either was spoken over you or spoken into you, and you just kind of adopted that as true. Maybe it wasn't even true, but it was maybe a, an ounce of truth to it, but you began to adopt it, and you began to just, and all of a sudden, it's just kind of filling up your life, and you're beginning to track with that. Maybe it's tapes of what people have said about you. 
Maybe it's lies that you've bought into from the enemy where he's kind of said some things, hey, this is how you pursue life. This is how you pursue the good life. And so you chase after it and you have it and you continue to, to live with that. And all of Satan's promises never really work out. Um, and yet we, we buy them hook, line, and sinker and begin to chase after them sometimes. Maybe it's other narratives of things that have, people have said at you or you've been privy to. Maybe it's some things that have been done to you that you didn't choose, but it was done to you. And, and I'm really, my heart breaks for that. But that has been part of the tapes that have run that maybe for you, you feel like the shame is too much. There's no way you could ever recover from that. And so it's just a tape that begins to play in your head. Maybe there's a different mantras of the world that say, hey, pursue after these things. This is what's going to bring satisfaction. And pretty soon your life begins to get filled up with a whole bunch of stuff. And we just kind of get filled up with a bunch of lies, a bunch of mantras, a bunch of tapes, a bunch of broken soundtracks, and there isn't a whole lot more that can go in there. Maybe we can get a couple more in here. Uh, but we, we kind of get it up here, and, and, and then we wonder, okay, well, how do I move forward? I'm carrying a lot of this stuff, and maybe the truth is what the scriptures say is, hey, you've got to begin to replace these broken soundtracks, these things that you've bought into, these lies that you've adopted with the truth. And Jesus said that he was the living water. And so maybe you begin to actually practice a little bit of just kind of beginning to read into the Bible a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's just a Sunday thing, and you, you come here on a Sunday, and listen, that's awesome, and I, I think that's part of owning our spiritual journey. And maybe, you, maybe you're a little juicy on Sundays, but on Wednesday, it's real dry. And you don't know. And so, but if anything's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And so you begin to maybe get a habit of, you know, going to version, reading a Bible app, uh, kind of getting a Bible reading plan for yourself. Maybe beginning to, to be a part of an e-group or a part of a discipleship group where you're investing in yourself. And you're kind of trying to soak in the truth of God. And you're just, the best you know how, you're just trying to do it consistently and over time. That you're just kind of weaving it, and it maybe doesn't feel like a whole lot's changing in your life, but if you just keep working at it, if you just keep investing in it, things begin to change as you begin to see the truth of God beginning to have an influence in pushing out all those tapes that were a part of what were a part of you. And so maybe the replacement principle can be illustrated like so. I need to be a person who's replacing the lies that I've bought into the things that have occupied me with the truth of God. So it begins to fill up my life with a little less clutter of the world or the enemy's lies, and I get to have the truth of God begin to anchor me more and more. And so replacement principles, recognizing the strongholds, recognizing the lies, I'm beginning to replace that with the truth of God. And this week, I want to drill down a little bit further on that practice and what that begins to look like as you begin to wrestle with this, begin to work this out for yourselves. Because this week is about the rewiring kind of principle. The rewire principle, this idea of rewiring your brain to renew your mind. And this is taken from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm going to read the first verse. It was verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is a wonderful thing that we do through song, but that is not the full definition of worship. Worship, what Paul says, the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 1, says, listen, in view of God's mercy, see, it's still working, uh, this idea of offering the bodies as your living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true act of worship. And then he says in verse 2, Romans 12, 2, here's what he says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Uh, You can read the renewing of what? Your mind, your mind, not just your heart. This isn't just a feeling thing, the renewal of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Here's a different translation, the New Living Translation. I love how it says it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, the truth, the greatest groundbreaking foundational truth for your life and for my life is you and I are all being conformed and molded. You're either being conformed and molded by the mantras and the sayings of this world, the lies of the enemy, the things that are sold in culture, or you're being rewired and molded and transformed by what God says. You get to choose. So do I. It's not if you're going to be conformed. You are being conformed. You get to choose how you're going to be conformed and how you're going to be transformed. See, our brains work with neural pathways. Anyone ever done brain research before? I've never done brain operation, but a little bit of research. Uh, Neural pathways have this idea of reoccurring thoughts that happen in your life that you repeatedly think the same thoughts over and over will begin to trigger automatic responses to external stimulus. This is why when I smell chocolate chip cookies... I got to eat them. Like, even if I'm not hungry. Why? Because my mama, R.I.P., my mama made chocolate chip cookies for me when I was a kid. And I loved, we had great talks. We would eat, like, I would get a spoonful of cookie dough. I know that's not healthy for you. I don't care. I'm 51. I'm still alive. Okay, and so, like, I would love to, and we would have the greatest conversations in the kitchen as she made homemade chocolate. I know the breakup art cookies are good, and they're much faster, but they're not the same, okay? Um, Can I get an amen? They're not the same. But uh, I don't have time for the other thing, so I just do the breakup part. But anyway, if I smell them, I got to have it because it's just part of what's been ingrained into my mind. See, to stop behavior, a behavior that's reckless or behavior that's sidetracking you in life, you really have got to remove the lie behind it and replace the neural pathway. You don't just change behavior modification. It's not simple. And a lot of folks just try to do that only, and the reality is it won't work long term. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to create a new neural pathway. That's why filling your mind with Scripture Leaning into God's truth with others who are chasing after him. Begin to speak declarations of God's truth into your life that begin to push out other things and actually create what's needed and what's necessary for you. Anyone ever been to Alaska before? Just curious, a few of you. Uh, There is a saying in Alaska that there is winter and there is July. July. 
Um, and in July, when the snow melts for the most part, uh, things begin to happen and people begin to drive on roads. And if you're driving on dirt roads in Alaska, not highway roads, and dirt roads in Alaska, they become kind of muddy and they actually begin to create ruts in the road. And cars can drive around. In fact, there's a, a sign that they have in Alaska that says, uh, Alaskan roads, choose your rut carefully. You might be in it for the next 60 miles because you can't get out of it. It's just entrenched into you. If we want to win the war in our mind, we have to be willing to rewire and to have our minds renewed because our mind creates ruts just like Alaskan roads. See, you know what a rut feels like. It's thinking the same thoughts and doing the same things, experiencing the same problems. It's like we're hopelessly trapped on a muddy, rugged back road, and the rut gets deeper and deeper, and when the tires can get fully inside the rut, it's like you can take your hands off the wheel, and you just drive in a stuck position. And listen, you know this to be true in your own life, and you know this to be true in the lives of those around you that you care about that are stuck in addiction or stuck in a host of other things that are getting their life sideways because they've just created neural pathways that they bought into and they believed it and it's filled them up and then they're driving without even their hands on the wheel at times, it seems like. And I bet you've had that experience yourself. I know I have. Where it's like, why do I do what I don't want to do? It's what Paul talks about. Remember we looked at that in Romans chapter 7 last week. He had this struggle. Like, I don't want to do this. Anyone ever been there can feel that struggle? Like, I don't want to be this kind of person. And yet, it's like I just keep getting stuck into this. So, let's talk a little bit more about how our brains work. Every thought you have, every thought I have, is producing a neurochemical change in your mind all the time. Your brain literally redesigns itself continually. Your brain is like a command center. Anyone ever remember the movie Inside Out? Remember Inside Out? And they had like that, that uh, it was kind of like your brain, and that was the dashboard, and it was over there. Like, that was actually fairly kiddie accurate of what is actually taking place in your brain. The brain is a command center that directs parts of your body through neurons. Neurons link together to create messages. The same message sent multiple times will create a neural pathway in your brain. The presence of a neural pathway makes a thought easier to think and makes it easier for your body to send that message. And so neural pathways are kind of become the ruts of the brain. And it makes your life easier. It's what automates so many things. How many of you have showered before? Oh, thank goodness. Um, if you didn't raise your hand, um, just scoot one to the left. No, I'm kidding. Um, like, have you ever thought about this? I thought about this this morning. I always wash my right arm first. I never thought about that. But this week, in preparing for this sermon, I actually thought about it. And every single time, I start with my right, why do I do that? Well, the sponge is in the left. I have a neural pathway that has actually made my life easier because I don't even think about it. You don't either. You probably put mine, my left pant leg, on first. I never thought about that until this week. Do you know what I did on Monday? 
I put my left leg into my shorts first. You know what I did on Tuesday? Same thing. I tried on Wednesday to do the right leg first, and it was a disaster. <laughs> I didn't fall, but it did not feel right. And so Thursday, I just went back to how I do it. I don't even think about it. And here's my hunch. You're the same way. That you have neural pathways that are guiding so much of your life that are actually helping you think easier and process information faster. These ruts in our mind, these neural pathways, are actually get bundled up uh, in a bundle of nerves at the base of your brain stem known as the reticular activity system. The RAS sifts through millions of pieces of sensory data that are being brought into your brain and my brain all the time, groups them together, and the information, if it is to keep you alive or to present or prevent problems, to avert danger or to bring pleasure, the RAS center gets activated and helps process what you're thinking. And you don't even think about it. That's how the brain system begins to work. It begins to filter through all the data of your life, allowing you to focus on what's pertinent and what matters and ignoring the rest. The RAS also utilizes our established beliefs to screen incoming information. This is part of the reason we so often get what we expect. What you expect, more often than not, will be what you get. Because your brain is processing to think so. Let me just be brutally honest. If you keep thinking you're a victim who never has a steady job or long-lasting relationships, you are training your brain to look for evidence which supports that belief and to filter out the evidence that doesn't. We condition our brain to reinforce what we already believe. You create a victim rut. The tires drop in, you let go of the steering wheel, and off you go. The brain is designed to look for patterns and create neurological pathways to keep you thinking the things that you're thinking. Which is why when you think something different or try to think something different or even try to attempt something different, it feels what? Awkward, like putting the right pant leg on first. This isn't right because your brain is telling you it's not right. It's different. That's why it's hard. That's why thinking new thoughts and trying new things is almost always awkward at first. But God created neural pathways for a good thing. How many of you drove here? A few of you. Okay. So my hunch is you didn't struggle driving here. But I bet you remember like my daughter who is 16 and we're in the process in the throngs of learning how to drive. This is the third one. I thought it would be easier. It's still nerve-wracking. And she's doing well, but we are practic like we practice in big parking lots. We are practicing on the roads. We haven't gone solo yet because dad's not ready for that. And so like we're practicing, we're getting better. But see, I, my hunch is when you started driving, you probably stepped on the gas too fast. You definitely hit the brakes too fast. You might have even gone the wrong way when you were trying to back up because you got you know, your wires crossed of left and right because you're going backwards. I bet that you have, if anyone ever learned on a stick shift, I had to learn on a stick shift. They don't have those anymore. It's really sad. I wanted to torture my kids like that, like my dad tortured me, but um, I wasn't able to. So this idea, I bet as you learned to drive, you got better now. And so tonight, as you drove here, 
you probably didn't think about it a whole lot. Have you ever been driving on a long road trip and like mentally checked out for five minutes and then reawoken? Like you didn't fall asleep, but you were dazed and thinking about other things and then suddenly you snap back to reality and go, who was driving the car for the last five minutes? Anyone ever had this feeling? Guess what? You were. And you were doing okay. Because of neural pathways. Neural pathways were created over a long time and repetition and repetition that allowed you to do that. Hopefully you didn't rear-end anybody. And you snapped back to reality before it got too dangerous. But the reality is your brain was taking care of that. Repetition forms helpful ruts. Now, Repetition can also form unhelpful ruts in our lives. And behavior modification alone will not work long term because the focus is only on modifying the behavior. You don't really get to the root of the problem. Let's say you have a tree in your backyard and you are tired of that tree and you want to go take care of it. So you grab the clippers, you grab your handsaw, you walk out, you grab one branch and you saw it off. And you're like, take that tree. And you walk back into the house singing, all I ever do is win, 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 no matter what. (laughs) And the next day you wake up and you look out and the tree is still there. And it's like it's mocking you. I know this is a horrible analogy. But you don't get rid of a tree by cutting one branch off. In fact, you don't even get rid of the tree by chopping the tree down. You get rid of a tree by digging out the roots. How many of you ever had to dig out the roots of a tree before? That is some hard work, amen? That is some hard work. Listen, 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 listen. Some of you have some thought patterns that have been in your life for a long time. And you have cut off a branch hoping that would do the trick. And what I'm here to tell you is you have some harder work to do. If you want to get free, if you want to see change actually happen, then friend, I'm inviting you to drill down deeper. It's not just recognizing and beginning to replace with truth. That's important. But you got to go further with that. You've got to actually begin to put repetition and this automation to work for you. You might have to go to see a therapist or some counseling that can actually help you work on some things. Listen, I believe, I really do believe this. I believe everyone needs coffee, Jesus, and a therapist. And I'm not just blowing smoke. I sit with my counselor about every three months. I usually bring Chick-fil-A and we sit on his floor. And I go, this is me. He goes, pass the sauce. Pass the sauce. He listens. We talk. And I leave there better. I'm not in crisis. I've gone through crisis, but I'm not in crisis. Do you know why I'm not in crisis? Because I see a counselor. Because I know, I know for me, I still have tapes. I 
still have thoughts. I still have broken sin patterns. I still have brokenness and broken soundtracks that run in my own mind. And if I don't do the hard work to get healthy and to work on my own thought life, then it just continues to fill me. And it not only affects me, but it affects the people around me. And you know what I want? I want to be healthy for me. And I really want to be healthy for the impact it can have on the people around me. And so I'm willing to do the hard work because it's helpful to me. The only antidote to a lie is truth. And the only antidote for a negative neural pathway is to create a new one. Uh, Let me just give you a little definition. A rut is typically formed in mud, kind of nuanced. It it can become dangerous, but it's unintentionally created. It really has no purpose. It requires a little bit of repair. A trench intentionally dug delivers a necessary resource to the place it needs to go. A trench has a specific purpose and fixes an existing problem. You and I need to be people who break out of destructive ruts in our own lives and begin to dig trenches of truth that will actually carry us where they need to go. When my grandmother moved in with us toward the end of her life and my growing up home, we had a, a large backyard and we actually began to build a, a small little 450 square foot guest house in the backyard for her to come live with. Do you know who prepared the trenches for this guest house? Take a wild guess. The guy in therapy, yes. Um, so, like, I did. Like, my dad, my brother, I, we dug trenches for the water line, for the sewer line, for irrigation, for everything to get back to the house to prepare this. It was a great spot for my grandma to be in. It was a lot of work digging trenches. A rut is pretty easy. I had a dog named Cherokee who lived with us in Colorado, our very first dog. We had a small backyard, and what she would do, she would run around the inside of the fence line over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It, It created a rut around the inside of the fence line. The grass wouldn't grow there anymore. Just because of repetition. That's what repetition does. In order to, drink, uh, to dig a truth trench, we have to actually make repetition work for us. The goal of maybe a declaration is begin to feed our own mind to create new neural pathways. So for example, let me list some examples. How do you write a declaration of truth? Well, you look to scripture and you begin to declare the truth of Scripture over your life to counteract some of the negative lies or mantras that you've bought into to retrain a new neural pathway. For example, for some of you, you might struggle with money, with finances, that you never seem to have enough. You have a mindset of fear that you'll never make it and that you'll have it slip through your fingers. But if you are a follower of Jesus, here's the truth of Scripture. The Scriptures describe God as a generous provider, one who promises to be with us when we live with the right approach to money as a tool, we are a steward of what he blesses us with, and we can live under his promise of provision. So maybe your declaration is as simple as this. Money is not a problem for me. My God is an abundant provider who meets my every need. 
I will steward his gifts wisely, and because I am blessed, I will always seek to be a blessing. I will lead the way with generosity because I know it is truly more blessed to give than to receive. And you begin to speak truth over yourself, and you repeat it over and over and over again. You take the truths of Scripture, and you begin to declare them over you. If you are a person who struggles with kind of feeling emotionally depleted, a brokenness of like, I don't have very much in life, then friend, my invitation to you this week is to focus on Psalm 103. Drill down on Psalm 103, because you know what Psalm 103 is all about? It's telling you as a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to lean into this truth. This is the truth of Scripture for you. Here's all the benefits that are listed for you that you have because you have said yes to Jesus. You have all of these. These can actually begin to fill your mind. You struggle with abandonment or shame or a sense of I want to quit or give up. If that's ever part of your struggle that you wrestle with, then Romans chapter 8, I think, is one of the best chapters in the entire Bible. It starts with this idea that if you are in Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. God will never give up on you, and so you don't need to give up on you. If he ain't going to quit on you, you ain't going to quit on you. Because he is always for you. You struggle with anxiety? Then friend, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, the end of 5 says this, The Lord is near, he is not distant. So do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all of our understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, if I can cast all my anxiety on God because God cares about me. And so if I begin to declare the truth and I drill down in the trenches, I want to build a trench of truth for me that it flows and gets me what I need. I need to push back against the lies or the mantras that the world is pushing on me. You struggle with being overwhelmed or stretched or busy or that you never have enough or that you're not enough then I would remind you of the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. Come to me, Jesus said. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And maybe you begin to take those words Maybe you write them out and stick them on your mirror and every single morning you're beginning to fill your mind with truth. You're digging a trench of truth. Maybe you want to actually put those words in your own words and make a, a declaration around that. Maybe your declaration reads something like this. I will find my true rest and not in a vacation, but in my identity as a child of God. I will find rest in his presence and not in my performance. I do not need to run myself ragged to gain approval of anyone else, and I can breathe deeply in the love from the one who created me, the one who calls me to himself. I am secure in his presence of peace, and my identity is anchored as his son or daughter, not in my accomplishments. See, when you live in a world that says you're only as good as your last performance, that's exhausting. But when you live in a world where the truth of your creator speaks over you, it's exhilarating. But we live, we're being conformed, one way or the other. You get to choose, so do I. 
So choose wisely, friends. You may need to be a person who becomes, I think throughout the scriptures what we see is we need to give ourselves permission to become better at being the air traffic controller of our mind. We need to give ourselves permission to become a better air traffic controller of our mind. I cannot control every thought I think, but I can control what thoughts land and what I linger with. I can control that. I may not control every thought I have, but I can control the ones I think about, the ones I dwell upon. I begin to take the truth of that. Uh, We have millions of thoughts coming in from sensory data all the time. That's why your brain, that's why you're so tired at night. Your brain is working overtime. But research has said that there's 500 unintentional intrusive thoughts that the average person faces each day. If you just do the math on that, average is that they last about 14 seconds. That's two hours of your day that you're fighting back against thoughts that might be like thought missiles that say, I'm not good enough. I deserve better. I will always struggle with my weight. If they only knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. I'll always be alone. You may have some of those thoughts begin to be like those thought missiles in your mind, and you have to do something, or otherwise those thoughts begin to poison you, begin to fill you up. And that's why the truth of Scripture, you've got to keep pouring it into your life. Psychologists um, and others who study the mind talk about the law of exposure. They say the mind absorbs and reflects on what is it exposed to the most. But here's what Paul wrote 2,000 years before some psychologists figured that out. Romans 8, again, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Here's what he says. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind will lead you to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads you to life and peace. I don't know about you. I want less death in my thoughts. And I want more life and peace. So I've got to give the Holy Spirit permission And I've got to work in cooperation to dig the trenches of truth. That may be on like meditating on scripture. Meditation, repetition, rumination. Uh, Do you know how cows eat? It's really sick. It's kind of gross. You want to hear about it? Okay. So like cows eat grass, right? They eat grass. They chew it. They swallow it. But wait, they're not done. They throw it up again. Chew it some more. Swallow it. Wait, they're not done throw it up a second time, chew it some more. This goes on and on for a little while. We can keep getting grosser. But that's how cows eat. Why? Because they want to get the maximum nutrition out of the grass that they're eating. I still love beef. It's okay. Uh, So this idea, this is how it works. Do you know the scriptures are filled with the invitation for us to meditate on God's word? The word for meditate is this idea of rumination. I know in Eastern meditation, it's this idea of kind of loosing the mind and freeing the mind. Listen, meditation from a biblical standpoint is zeroing in and filling your mind with the truth. It's filling your mind with the truth of scripture, ruminating on it, chewing it over and over again to get the most spiritual nutrition out of it. I want to give you a couple thoughts in closing. If you want to have a better working mind, thought life, 
then you have to recognize if you've got some neural pathways that have been created in your mind around sin patterns, around thought patterns, around messages or narratives that you've bought as a truth, but it's really a lie. And you've got to do the work to recognize that, begin to replace that with God's truth, to lean into the scriptures and allow to dig the trenches of truth. It's going to take work. It's not easy. This isn't just cutting off a branch. This is about digging out the roots of this and begin to work on it for yourself. And maybe it's for you. If you struggle with any of those things we mentioned earlier, maybe it's just finding a passage of scripture, a verse, and you begin to memorize it. Write it out literally on your bathroom mirror so that every single morning when you get up and hopefully shower, because that's important, uh, that you see it and go, that's the truth for me. God, would you help me to focus my mind on that truth today? I don't want to buy into all this crap that people say or the world says. I, just, I, want your, I want what you have to say about life to fill me up more and more. Uh, maybe if you have uh, a smartphone, I would encourage you to download, uh, I think the next slide, Ivy, is the, uh, the, the One Minute Pause app. Um, the One Minute Pause app is a free app that you can get. It has one-minute pauses, three-minute, five-minute, ten-minute, um, and, and has a whole thing through a book. Uh, John Eldridge wrote a book called Resilient that I just finished. He has a whole 30-day process for that. This, this app has been very helpful to begin to meditate on the truth of Scripture. You actually get to carry it around for free in your pocket. And when you're sitting at the doctor's office and you have a minute to kill, you can go, hey, I'm going to fill my mind. And you just kind of fill your mind. And you, you, know, you begin to actually just get proactive in building things for yourself and for your life. And so, friends, I don't know where this hits you tonight. We're going to end with a worship song here as the team comes back up, singing about the peace that we can have in life as we follow after Jesus. Here's my hunch for some of you, <laughs> for all of us, we have some thoughts, whether it's mantras of the world that we've said, yeah, I gotta chase after that, that'll fulfill me, and the reality is it always doesn't. And maybe there's some lies that the enemy has whispered into your heart, to your life, that you've just bought, and you just said, well, this is the way it is. And the truth of scripture actually says something different. Maybe you've bought into a lie that, that your life is what you produce. I think that is one of the biggest lies that we in America struggle with. That your life and your success of your life is what you produce. No, you have a creator who produced you. You are not a mistake. You are intentional. You are intentionally loved. He has a plan for you. He's given you desires and dreams and abilities and talents, and he wants you to maximize those, but he wants you to work in cooperation with him. This isn't about what you produce. It's about how you participate with him. What if we as a church practiced what we did earlier, praying for one another? What if this week, the 100 plus of us that are here, challenged one another to pray with someone else this week? I don't know what that would do. Here's what I think it would do. I think it would challenge us to say, I'm gonna pray for the activity of God to be released in the people around me in their life. 
and I'm going to do my best to encourage someone this week. I'm going to pray for them because I want the truth of God and for God to do what only he can do. I'm going to participate with him in praying over others. Maybe it's praying over your own self. So I'm not sure what the takeaway is for you tonight, but I want to give you 20 seconds just to grab hold of it. And so, Father, as we take just 20 seconds, as we prepare to sing this final song, each one of us is at a different place, Holy Spirit. What's the takeaway that you have for us tonight? Father, would you speak? Would you move in our hearts? Would you rewire us, renew our minds that we're transformed to live not just as followers of Jesus, but as people who are being transformed by the power of Jesus. And our thoughts reflect his thoughts more and more and more.
thank you that you're a God who hears our prayers, that you can provide a peace as we try to navigate the chaotic nature of our thought life at times, the patterns of negative narratives that take us down a road that we don't want to go. So would you help us to live into the truth, to to dig down, to, to dig those trenches of truth from your scriptures that speak life into us? more and more and more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us online, joining us here in the room. Just real quick before we take off, uh, if you want to join an e-group or a discipleship group, we have some of those rolling out this fall. And if you are one of our amazing volunteers uh, around here, whether that's with e-kids, our tech team, worship, greeters, safety team, a whole host of teams, uh, we are doing our next volunteer rally the last Saturday of August. August 27th, we're going to feed your face. We're going to celebrate together. We are going to talk about some stories of what God's doing around here, dream into the next year. And I know some of you are not volunteers and you're like, but I want to come. Well, then volunteer. Um, and so like, if you would like to be on a team, we would be happy to help you join a team. And if you want to come, then we'll get you on a team after that. And we'll feed your face too. So, um, but if you want to do me a favor on the app, you can actually go and register for that. So we make sure we have enough food for you and enough time together. So volunteer rally, August 27th. Make sure you hang out, see a few folks, bless them on the way out. If you are new, I'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party, which starts in 32 seconds. Karen's already back there. And we'd love to say hi and get you the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. Friends, may you be blessed. May this be a week where God is active in your life, helping you with your thought life, and may you be a blessing to others. We'll see you next Sunday.